why it's important to think about that funnel, right? Um, if you bring them to like Instagram and YouTube, they get more of your personality. They get uh, more of the information, more detailed, and then they will, you know, become a true fan. And that's like very important. You can have as many followers as you want, but like making sure you have like those a thousand or a hundred true fans is like very crucial. You're listening to the Brandon Gems podcast. Podcast that is not just interviews and conversations. It's to bring you guys the best of the best women in branding and business to answer this question. What are your top three valuable tips and lessons that you learned along the way? And then we discuss it. To feel your passion-filled lifestyle business, I promise to bring you the best of the best women in branding and business. And together, we can grow and learn from the extracted advice that they provide. I'm Peggy Bree, and let's get growing. Hi, first of all, thank you again for tuning this to this episode. I appreciate you. I feel like you guys are my friends and I I just want to get to know you more. So definitely reach out to me on Peggy Bree or at Blank Room Design and talk to me. I love meeting new people. And also, I just first of all, I love connecting with amazing women in branding and business and I love sharing their advice. So I, I'm excited that I get to have this platform to do that. I get to showcase how amazing their brands and businesses are and what they learn. So I'm excited that this podcast exists and that you get to hear from them as well. So thank you so much for growing this with me and oh, this announcement. I'm so excited to announce so this podcast is actually sponsored by Zencaster and the thing about Zencaster is I actually use them to record my guest episodes and I trust them with it. I literally record guests from around the world from Toronto to New York to Australia, different guests from literally around the world and I'm using their platform to record with them so I trust them and I use them and the thing about Zencaster is that it's not just for podcasters you can if you like creating video content or you like creating just audio content with a guest and you want to use that for your social you can do that and that's the powerful tool of Zencaster so definitely if you want you can use my code at Peggy Bree for 14 days free and you get 40% off for the first three months so definitely check it out and I'm excited to be sponsored by Zencaster and I'm excited that I get to talk about them because I actually use them and I love them so I'm excited and also so today's guest is so awesome. I met her on Clubhouse and I'm so excited to share her perspective on branding and business, especially being able to build a brand based off of so much passive income streams and also being able to have financial freedom because of it. So I'm excited to hear her perspective and to share it with you all. So stay tuned. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Branding Gems. I have an awesome guest today to share her top three tips and advice. So make sure you stay tuned for the whole episode to hear it all. So today we have an amazing guest that I met on Clubhouse. Her name is Sharon. 
And Sharon's song teaches people how to make passive income towards financial freedom through her blog, YouTube channel, TikTok, and Instagram. She has been featured on Yahoo Finance, Busso, Fast Company, and other notable websites. In the past, she graduated from UC Berkeley and worked in marketing for nine years at Google and other startups. Sharon quit her job and traveled the world as a digital nomad for two years, all while growing over eight passive income streams. So welcome to this podcast, Sharon. Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I'm super excited. Yeah, this is fun. It's fun that, you know, people can meet on Clubhouse and create connections, even though Clubhouse is such a new audio-based social platform, it's it's still so accessible to meet people and to network. So this is fun. Definitely. It's a great networking tool for sure. It is. How long have you been on Clubhouse for actually? Um, Just a couple of weeks, but I just noticed like the amount of value it provides. And I think it's a great platform that everyone should start getting on. Yeah. It's cool because even rooms that are so intimate, you can have like uh, conversations that provide so much value because rooms are so intimate and you're listening to like top industry people and hearing their tips and advice. So it's, it's such a good platform. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So let's get going. What are your top three tips and advice in branding and business? And we'll start with number one. For sure. So the first tip I have is definitely to niche down. So kind of really figure out what differentiates yourself or your brand. It could be like one to three things, but being super specific will really help you grow faster though. So for me, I would say the two interesting things about my brand is really being a digital nomad, like quitting my job and traveling the world for two years, as well as kind of building Mm -hmm. passive income streams through multiple means. Um, So I try to focus on those two different aspects with my brand. And I feel like it resonates with people Um, Because my mission is all about like designing your life. And I think those components really um, tie into it really well. Um, So definitely niche down when it comes to your brand so that people really know what you're about and you're specific with it. Mm, That's true. Digital nomad and passive income stream is such a good match because people every if they want to enter the digital nomad lifestyle they would they want to hear all these like passive stream tips and advice and how to get there and having and making money in the background while you're just traveling yeah definitely i think um a lot of people are interested with my brand cuz they want to build that financial freedom and a lot of people have that um fear of being restricted um to like a 9 to 5 job and being stuck in it where um, they're not happy with what they're doing, and they're going to do that till they're like in their late 60s. So like, I try to make sure that people understand all the different opportunities out there. Um, and also when I kind of did uh, more content around real estate investing, like a lot of my, uh, you know, my accounts kind of blew up because I did focus a little bit more on that. So I definitely think when you are a little more specific on what you're going to talk about, it really like, Uh, resonates with people as well as when they find your brand they can see like the different um, things that you specialize in and they'll you know think of you as an expert in the niche so that's very important when it comes to growing your brand Mm -hmm. so I guess when it comes to niching down and when you have that niche that aligns with your brand and your mission um, when you choose different social platforms how are you able to make the best out of each platform in the way that you have done Yeah, I think for my platform, um, I find that my short form content 
uh, did really well with my brand. Uh, but also, mm-hmm. it's important to figure out your strengths and your passions. So for mm-hmm. me, I find that video was really like my thing. And multiple people have told me to go uh, back on YouTube because I actually used to do uh, YouTube for music. So I used to like sing mm-hmm. and songwrite. Um, and they were saying like, you should go back on YouTube and you'd also kill it on TikTok. So I was just listening to kind of what my peers were saying about what my strengths are. And I think it's kind of in line with my passions. I love like creating um, visual content and stuff like that. Um, But I think like for someone who's, you know, interested in writing, like maybe blogging is your thing because maybe you don't want to be behind a camera and you're like a little more shy. So it kind of just depends on like your personality and what will work best for you. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. You're right. When it comes to, I guess, talking about passive income streams, I think there's so much benefits that come with producing video content on something like TikTok because TikTok is so quick and consuming content for one to consume content. So when you put out information on the way, like on TikTok specifically, like it's so it's fast and it's, it's, it's digestible, like fast as well. Yeah, definitely. I think like this generation is getting like lower intention span. So it's like easier to deliver that information that way. It's so true. So what would, you, so would you, are you uh, repurposing content from your YouTube videos or, and, and TikTok and, and I guess sharing the video content in that way, or is it all separate? Do you have any, is it like specific to each platform? Um, So what I currently do for YouTube, I do repurpose the audio into podcasts. So that's a great way to knock it out. If you want to like keep repurposing your content, you can take the audio from your YouTube, put it into podcast form. And then you can also use services like otter.ai that will do like these automatic uh, transcriptions. And uh, I use that in order to get like a transcription of the audio and put that on my blog. Um, but it's not completely accurate. So I kind of put a disclaimer that this is from otter.ai. It's not like completely accurate. But if you want like the, the best accurate transcriptions, you might want to outsource that work and hire someone. So that way you already knock out so many pieces of content. And then with TikTok, um, I do repurpose that on Reels. And then um, sometimes I kind of use that to help me gauge if those topics are good for YouTube. So if I see a lot of attention on a certain topic that kind of helps me give, um, you know, content ideas for YouTube for like the longer form content. That's so true. That's so good to really pertain to each platform and the way that you do. And I guess another question when it comes to niching down and finding a community within your niche, what are your best, best tips and practices for, for finding that community and for building community within your niche? Yeah, definitely. I mean, when I first started doing TikTok videos, for example, I was just playing around with it and kind of seeing what uh, would hit with my audience as well as align with my passions. And like for me, I like music, I like dance, I like singing. Um, And then I also, you know, did funny stuff for a little bit. And then I realized like what worked well was when I did the financial freedom content and sometimes like brought in my own personality and like dance as well. So I kind of merged some of that together. And I feel like that was a little more unique with my brand. Um, so I think, honestly, you just have to experiment with it and see like what's hitting. Um, I have a lot of friends like, uh, that are YouTubers that ended up kind of niching down like 
some were more broad personal finance and decided to go all in on stocks investing. And that actually did really well for um, their brand. So if you're looking for like um, exponential growth and growing a lot faster, it would be best to kind of niche down, even though um, sometimes it's more fun to be more general because, you know, you can talk about all different types of topics that you're interested in. And honestly, I still kind of like am a little more broad when it comes to that, because I just like, I just kind of like doing that, just putting out content that I want to put out. Um, But you just got to think also about your audience. Like, what are they um, interested in you for? You know what I mean? So make sure that you're like specific with it and just experiment, see what they are liking, and then make more of that content. Oh, I love that. And I love the summary that you gave to all of it because it's so true. Like niching down really comes down to how your audience will consume it best. And if, especially for like millennials or, or whatever age gap you're, you're targeting, if, if a lot of them are flocking onto TikTok to consume that type of content, producing it more makes so much sense in that mm-hmm. space. Yeah, definitely. Love that. And so what is your tip number two? Yeah, so my tip number two, it's pretty uh, simple, but kind of maintain a similar look across the board. So if you are on all these different platforms, like have the same username so people aren't confused. Like for me, you know, I use my full name, Sharon Sung, and I put that as my username across all my social channels. Um, For my profile pic, I have that like headshot with the yellow background now as my thing. Um, but also with a lot of my, um, like my colors and my fonts, like I have it all kind of ready too. Um, so I actually sent like a template to my editors for my YouTube videos and I let them know like, Hey, I want these fonts. I want, um, these colors. So like, make sure you have, um, a recognizable brand. Um, it just kind of helps users understand that that's you, like just even looking at the aesthetics and, um, you know, also like trying to locate you, it's easier to um, find you if you have the same username across the board. Um, So just make sure everything's consistent. Mm -hmm. So I guess like, I guess when people are either starting out a new project, or they're just starting out in general, finding username is, is hard to find across the board. So are there any sort of tips you would say, let's say, like a user is, available on Instagram and Facebook and it's not available on TikTok or, um, or another platform, what, uh, what, I guess, tips would you have for someone who still wants that username and, but it's not available? Should they continue and add like the word official or should they just change it completely? Yeah, that's what I was about to recommend. Like you'd probably just do official. Some people do underscores. Um, but if you're like typing it out, you know, like, um, for example, if Sharon Sung weren't available, um, but then you put like official behind it, they'll 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 probably look up Sharon Sung and then see you. So it's like it's gonna uh, prompt it for people anyway. So I would definitely mm-hmm. recommend um, make well, yeah, if you can make sure it's something that's available across the board for sure. Mm-hmm. So true to maintain consistency and. And not just like your brand voice or the aesthetic, but overall, just maintaining that consistency across all channels for your brand so that people can recognize you, find you, and just align themselves with you. It's it's so important. Yeah, definitely. 
I love that. So you mentioned something about like YouTube editors and using a tablet. So if one was to enter into the YouTube space and create content for their brand and business in that space, what kind of tips would you have? Um, yeah, in, in the YouTube space in that. Yeah. Um, when it comes to, so you mean like for hiring editors or do you mean just like yeah, overall like, how to start? Overall and also like hiring editors, like how does that look like? Because I know that some people or some people that have um, are, that are YouTubers that I know, like it's hard for them to give up their own editing skills because they add a unique, you know, taste to it. And they, they sometimes they would either prefer editing themselves, even though it, like it takes up a lot of time. So how does that transition look like to give it to an editor? Yeah, for me, I looked on Upwork and I was just basically having them do like a sample video. Um, so I might give them one, like a raw file to maybe multiple editors and see how they all edit it. Um, and that kind of helps me gauge if it's kind of in line with what I'm looking for. And if there's an editor that takes like too many, um, like too many revisions, then I wouldn't hire them. It's just too much more work. Um, cause you don't, you definitely don't want to hire an editor where you have to like send a ton of feedback all the time. Cause it ends up taking almost the same amount of time as you editing, editing yourself. Um, but also if you feel that your editing is like basically the, the, the part of your brand that's like really differentiating, um, then I, I might not even outsource that if that's like your strong point, you know what I mean? So like, I, I have a friend who's like really, uh, good at filming those like cinematic types of videos that like just look really professional but like the editing is so clean that I wouldn't recommend that person like outsourcing it unless they're really going to like pay a lot for it and make sure that it's in line with what they're looking for um, so sometimes like it's not a good idea to sacrifice that if it's like a huge part of your brand like for me um, you know I did edit before I did uh, use Adobe Premiere and I, I got pretty good at it, but I, I would say that like my editors, I would say they're probably better than me, right, with editing. So uh, for me, it was actually beneficial to um, outsource outsource this so that I could focus primarily on, you know, making valuable content. So it was good for me, but it really depends on like if that uh, editing is crucial for your brand. That makes so much sense. Like if that editing, like you mentioned, the whole cinematic style is part of your whole creative direction and if you're not able to have an outsource, you know, like mimic that completely yet or it's still in that process, it, it, I would, it would definitely make sense to continue that cinematic style so that your brand remains consistent that, yeah, so that it, it, it so that people can still see it, you in it and not have it be completely, um, completely, I guess, blurred from someone else doing it. So I love that. Yeah, it's really good. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it also depends on like how much time you have as well. So like, if YouTube is all like of your focus, then it's, I think you can spend that time with editing. But if you are kind of doing a bunch of different things, um, and you want to make sure you are focusing on the 20% that gives 80% of results, maybe the editing part is something you outsource. Like for me personally, it's saved me so much time. And I really do like, uh, think it, it was great for my brand personally. Mm -hmm. That makes sense. And also when it comes to maintaining your look across channels like YouTube and yeah, other channels, what would you say, um, particularly YouTube, like how would one stand out on YouTube? 
from your experience? Yeah, uh, when it comes to the visual aspect, like if you are, um, you know, creating your thumbnails, you might want to use like specific fonts that you maybe a primary and a secondary font or something, and maybe like a specific color that you you will bring back a lot of times. For example, um, Marco from Whiteboard Finance, he always uses the color yellow. I can tell he's using the Bavis font, I, I believe. Um, and like a lot of people um, try to find that look. And also, I feel like it has to be in line with um, your personality as well. Um, Nate O'Brien uh, talked about this where his videos, like he's not that type of person with a huge personality where he's like all in your face, like talking a bunch of stuff. He's like more chill, more calm. And his thumbnails reflect that as well. It would be really weird if he had these crazy neon um, colors for his thumbnails, which some YouTubers like to do to stand out, right? For him, it's more minimal. It actually works really well with him because they like his audience knows what to expect. So just make sure that like when you're creating those thumbnails, it's just kind of in line with your personality. Oh, yeah, that's such a great reminder for people. Like it's the simple things like thumbnails and visually attracting your audience so that it's it's all like consistently cohesive with your brand. So mm-hmm. that makes so much sense. Yeah. And even what about with titles and, and clickbait and and words in the in video titling? What would what is that like or what does that look like if it's part of your brand and your business? Yeah, I think um, for my titles, I feel like it's a little less about uh, branding, but I do feel like I still have it kind of consistent based off of what I do. But what I basically do is uh, I make sure that it's optimized, SEO optimized, like I'm looking for keywords to rank, but as well as kind of making sure it's like exciting enough to click. Um, so it's like a balance between the clickbait as well as keyword ranking, because I think keyword ranking is crucial for YouTube. Um, that's why I focus on like evergreen content. So what I mean by that is for YouTube, you could do like more time-based content where like maybe some event happens and you cover that event. Um, you can get a lot of views that way, but then, you know, you can get it in the beginning, but then it might, you know, drift off and like tank. Right. So, um, evergreen is what I'm focusing on because it's something that's more timeless where if it ranks well, um, it gives valuable information um, that can be applied to whenever you watch it. Um, That can increase in views for a long time and like still, uh, you know, rank and do well in views. So like I I focus on that. Um, Yeah. So back to like the title thing, I just try to make sure I focus on the keywords. I make sure it's like exciting for people. I might throw an emoji or something here and there. Um, and, you know, uh, another thing is like maybe you're saying like how to do blank and then you might put in parentheses like five ways or something. Um, that allows people to know that like, okay, there's five things coming up. So you want to make sure you're watching through all the different points <laughs> so that like you increase your watch time with your video, which will help with your rankings. So I know I covered a lot of different things here, but uh, yeah. <laughs> so good. And what about like even like um, YouTube length in terms of videos? Because obviously sometimes there are videos that can go up to like 25 minutes and five minutes. Like is this all pertaining to how your audience consumes the video content or is it just YouTube videos in general? Yeah, well, I try to keep it like concise, but um I'm, I'm learning to talk a little more as well with the camera to like um, do a little more storytelling, fit in more examples. 
Also, like with YouTube, for the mid-roll ads, you have to have it over eight minutes um, to have those ads. So, like, that's another thing to consider. But a lot of my videos, like, because I don't talk that much, it's actually under eight minutes because of just, like, how concise I usually am. And I just, like, get straight to the point. Um, but obviously, like, if you're doing a long tutorial, um, I've had videos go to 20 minutes just because I'm going through, like, how to use ConvertKit or something like that. And I have to go through every feature of um, of the website, right? So um, it just kind of depends. Um, you know, obviously, people who talk a lot more, they're going <laughs> to... They're going to go for a long time. But the main thing is you want to make sure it continues to capture their attention so that the watch time continues to be like pretty good for all your videos. Wow, that's so good. I love that you covered everything that in terms of maintenance and brand and YouTube, but like full out a breakdown of how to do that on YouTube. So it is awesome. Awesome. (laughs) And what is your final tip in branding and business? Yeah, so I kind of mentioned it earlier, but I I would say for brand awareness, um, definitely use Reels and TikTok and possibly YouTube Shorts. I haven't experimented too much with that, but basically right now is the time to kind of do that um, because the discoverability is just insane because it just spreads to so many people um, when you're creating these short form content. And also for Reels, I feel like they are promoting that feature more currently because it's a newer feature. So they're going to spread your video even more. Like I'm seeing more views on um, Reels actually over TikTok currently, um, even though I have more followers like on TikTok. So I think that now is the time to kind of maximize on that because who knows when it will get more and more saturated. Like for TikTok, I would say that currently it is getting more saturated. I'm seeing my views are lowering. Um, I I just think there's so many people getting into the space. But um, And you should also kind of think, in terms of a marketing funnel, right? So the top level is branding next um, is consideration. And then after is conversion. So like for me, my funnel is like the top ones are the short form content, like TikTok and reels. And then I try to funnel them into like my YouTube and my email list and stuff like that. Um, So that's kind of how I think of it. So you want to make sure when it comes to brand awareness, you're you're hitting these two uh, different platforms, because I really think it's like the thing right now. Mm-hmm. It's so important to really have different platforms as well, because like yeah, like you mentioned, like if TikTok views are getting lower, like people, you still want to bring in and capture attention somewhere else too, and capture that audience and bring them somewhere else too. And so, so really like bringing it across all channels and, and, and I guess spreading it even into reels and taking advantage of the current times of Instagram, like it's so important to be so pro- proactive and, and knowing which which areas um, have the most attention grabbing um, functions if it comes to like awareness or how they're I don't know the platform is using it because if because if Instagram is promoting more of their reels they're obviously pushing that out more so if you transfer um, content from TikTok to reels that makes so much sense so yeah definitely like that. for me I feel like. You know, if you get a taste of the type of content I create from just like a few seconds, um, I don't know if you will convert into a true fan. So that's kind of why I bring them onto my YouTube um, so that they can basically uh, get the longer form um, information that's way more detailed and they can get to like the repository of info like quickly. Um, So then that's why uh, they might be more invested in me. And that's why it's important to think about that funnel, right? 
Um, if you bring them to like Instagram and YouTube, they get more of your personality. They get uh, more of the information, more detailed, and then they will, you know, become a true fan. And that's like very important. You can have as many followers as you want, but like making sure you have like those a thousand or a hundred true fans is like very crucial. That's true. Like the loyal people that know you the most. And um, I think YouTube is a great way, it's a way for people to know someone more in depth, right? Mm-hmm. Instead of like quick videos. So it's so smart to transfer the people from, you know, sh- short content or short digestible content to something more long like YouTube because they get to know you more. And yeah, that, that's a very smart, that's a very smart point. Yeah, I would even like add that Clubhouse could be more on the bottom of the funnel where you get to know people even more um, to make them like even more of a true fan. And we were kind of talking about that today. Um, So I have like a YouTube mastermind thing and we were talking about that today where, um, you know, Clubhouse will probably generate more of those true fans than like, for example, TikTok and Reels. So that's why you got to think in the the funnels, right? You got to see how you can reach as many people, but also make them like kind of trust you more and like uh, develop a relationship with each of these people. That's true. Cause if you think about it, if clubhouse only has like the top, let's say 2% creators on there and you're just di- discussing it, you know, amongst the creators, like it really creates like that deeper connection if people are listening in mm-hmm. and it's like, how do you, you know, how do you maximize clubhouse, right? Like how do you use that to its full capability and connecting with your audience? And what I find is that, yeah, connecting through voice when people hear you on clubhouse and they hear you speak live and presently, it helps a lot. But what would you say, like how one could maximize clubhouse to their full advantage Um, and connecting with their audience. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think the format of the room matters like a lot. So some get really messy and it doesn't really help give value. So for me, I actually prefer the panel style. So I mean, I hosted a panel with like other YouTubers where I allowed people to come on and ask some questions and then uh, our panel would answer and then I'd move them back down to audience level. And the reason why I like that is that, yeah, you get the one-on-one connection where all of us get to like answer someone's question and have a little conversation with them, but also we're moving quickly so that like everyone who's listening on the side can actually gain value quickly. Um, yeah. Versus some formats where it's like, you don't know if they're just speaking amongst each other and not doing a Q and a, and sometimes doing a Q and a, it's like really weird. You have to have kind of like an MC to kind of guide the flow of the room. Um, so I would think that, when it comes to maximizing, um, just try to think in terms of how much value can you deliver by creating that room and making sure that there's a good flow when it comes to um, how you organize the room. That's very true. Because let's say one only has like five minutes of their time and they're on Clubhouse. You want to make sure that they're soaking in the most in that five minutes of that conversation in that room. So if it's just kind of like banter and conversations and if one, I guess, is not getting out of something out of it and that's what they're looking for, then they would just choose a different room. So to keep them engaged and listening into that conversation, it's some, it, like you have to make sure that it is value that you're providing for them. Yeah, definitely. Like the, you know, the fans that come in from maybe TikTok and Reels, if you, uh, you know, host a room and they're in there and you just keep dropping like those gems or whatever that people always say in Clubhouse where you're just like constantly <laughs> like saying something really uh, valuable, right? 
um, they're going to be like, oh my gosh, this person knows so much. Like I trust <laughs> what they're saying. Right. So mm-hmm. um, it's very important to make sure um, you're not just like wasting people's time talking about random stuff. Like you gotta, you gotta deliver that value for your audience. Mm-hmm. That's so true. Oh man, this, this, this has been so good. <laughs> Um, yeah, thank you so much for being a guest. Of course. And what's, yeah, what's next for you? Um, so I guess currently I'm still just, you know, growing my brand. I feel like that's kind of been the fulfilling thing for me. Um, I enjoy, you know, teaching people how to make all these different passive income streams toward financial freedom because I mentioned earlier that a lot of people do feel stuck and they think they don't have options. But I want to be there to show people that there are Um, different ways they can make money you can like think about money in a different way um, and think about it in a turn in in a sense of um, not like buying a lot of things it's more about the freedom it creates Um, so that's kind of what my current purpose is um, where I enjoy creating and I enjoy I enjoy um, kind of like making an impact in this area so I'm gonna keep uh, building out content on these different um, you know different channels Um, Another thing I am doing more of is real estate investing. So I've been really enjoying that side. I've always been interested in it since like 2012. And we're actually launching a course called Remote Rental Riches. Um, And yeah, it's all about um, how to invest out of state. And I just go over step by step, like how to, um, you know, purchase properties, even if you're not there in that location. and we're actually gonna go like we're in escrow like me and my boyfriend we're in escrow for another property right now so we're like probably gonna go fly over there and like work with the contractors to like learn the process of renovation ourselves which would be to me is like really exciting um so i want to get more immersed in it um but yeah if you um if you are interested basically i can offer your first five listeners 20 percent off of uh remote rental riches um, so you guys can use the promo code BRANDINGGEMS20 and you guys can uh, check out the course. It's going to be on my website and you guys can get that step-by-step tutorial on how to invest out of state. Yes, definitely go find her. She's amazing. Um, she's, yeah, she's so awesome to connect <laughs> with. So go for it. Awesome. Thank you so and, much. Yeah. Thanks for coming on this podcast and we're going to sign off now. This podcast is made on Zencaster, which means I recorded all my guest episodes on Zencaster and will continually do so. So shout out to Zencaster for being freaking amazing. And also welcome to the end. I'll talk to you on Instagram. Tag me on Blank Room Design or Peggy Bree and I'll talk to you there. Bye.